and welcome to the Hybrid Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rick Beebe, and on this episode, we'll be taking a look at Yes, We Are Hybrid Wrestlers 3, from November 8th, 1993. For those of you returning to the show, welcome back, and for those of you checking us out for the first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show, and spread the word about this podcast to all your friends and family. First off, let's get some plugs out of the way. You can follow me on X, at LeoWyatt85, and you can follow the show at hybrid underscore cast. I'm always happy to chat about pro wrestling, MMA, other combat sports, as well as to dig into your what-if scenarios or fantasy booking. I also do a show with my buddies Mike Pru and JV over on the Booking the Territory Patreon that's exclusive to the $5 and up tier. It's called the Extreme Livecast, and we cover ECW hardcore TV episodes starting in 1993 and going all the way until the end of the promotion in 2001. Currently, we're in November of 96, getting ready for November to Remember. You can follow us at ExtremeCast and follow Mike and JV at MPRU83 and at John Van Damage. If you're not sure about signing up, we do have a free feed available wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the show, although we are about a year behind. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about this event itself. As I mentioned, Yes, We Are Hybrid Wrestlers 3 was held on November 8, 1993 at the Kobe World Commemoration Hall in Kobe, Japan. It was the third event of Pancrase and followed their naming convention for 1993. I presume that the title sounds a lot cooler in Japanese than it does in English. If you've been along for the ride with my other two episodes, you know the deal with Pancrase. But for those of you that need a refresher, or are just listening for the first time, here's the quick and dirty. Pancrase was founded in 1993 by a number of wrestlers that formerly worked for pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi in Japan. These men left because they were more interested in exploring the possibilities of real fights being contested using shoot wrestling rules, as opposed to what PWFG is presenting. Pro wrestling matches that were predetermined, but promoted as if they were real. It also didn't help that the namesake of pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, was looking into cross-promoting cards with fake wrestling groups, which cemented the group's decision to leave. So in September 1993, Pancrase held its first show and got a sellout crowd, leading to subsequent shows being promoted. In fact, Pancrase still exists to this day in some form, although they did switch to using the more universal MMA rules, and they now use a 10-sided cage as opposed to a square ring. Now that everybody's caught up, let's get to the action. As always, I'll post a link in the show notes if you want to watch along, or you can simply listen to me commentate, and I'll have the audio going in the background. Feel free to pause if you need to get it set up or want to grab a snack at this point. I will let you know that, unlike the last two, a few of these fights do go on for a while, so getting a snack might not be a bad idea. I'll give you a countdown three down to one, and we'll all click play. Everybody ready? All right, good. Three, two, one... Play. Alright, so this is the uh, edited version of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the home video release, so you're not going to end up with um, any of the pre-show stuff, um, there's no speeches, nothing. We just go right into Katsuomi Inagaki 
versus Vernon Tiger White. And there's Vernon Tiger White, um, looking very lean, but he's still in great shape. Katsuomi Omagaki. Uh, he was on the first two Pancrase shows. Um, if you were with us, uh, you remember in the first one he went up against Minoru Suzuki and lost to a choke in about three and a half minutes. Um, and then he was on the last show and he bought, uh, fought Yuk uh, van der Ven and beat him in just under five minutes by palm strikes. Um, meanwhile, Vernon Tiger White, <clears throat> excuse me, well known if you're an MMA guy, uh, or girl, I should say, um, he um, fought on the first two shows as well. Uh, he fought Takaku Fuke on the first show, lost in a little over a minute with an armbar, um, and in the last show he lost against Minoru Suzuki to a leg scissors choke. So starting off, and just kind of a feeling out process, just kind of throwing a few strikes just to kind of find their range, and then uh, Inagaki takes him down, working on a side mount, like a headlock. I'm not sure if he's going for a, um, a choke per se, or more just kind of grappling him for some, uh, some positioning to get into a spot where he can get. Um, some sort of a submission on him. Because remember, there's, there's really minimal to no striking on the ground in Pancrase. Um, you'll, you'll see some slaps or whatever, but they really, you know, they're not going to throw, um, they can't throw close fists to the head. That's, probably, that's against the rules, obviously. Um, and most of them don't really throw too many uh, closed fists to the body, at least in the, in a, you know, situation like this if he's fighting for a submission like this and he's trying to throw fists to the body to kind of open him up a little bit that's one thing but and so we get a nice clean break You can see uh, Inagaki's trying to kind of get his. Uh, uh, oh, he's got a Kimura, but uh, they're in the ropes or something of that nature. So we got a break. Maybe they're just too close to the ropes. I'm not 100% sure because it didn't say about anybody losing a point.
must like a kickboxing type of uh, stance right there for uh, for Vernon Tiger White and Inagaki. Now, now uh, Inagaki inadvertently kind of gave him his back, so Vernon was trying to go for like a neck crank of some sort there. But again, they're in the ropes. So stand them up, and bring them, bring them back to their feet. Nagaki going back to that side headlock, almost like a, um, a bulldog choke. If any of you guys are uh, Carlos Newton versus uh, Pat Miletic, where he basically beat him in a, with a side headlock in a UFC. I don't know what, um, I don't remember what UFC uh, number it was, but. Can we switch the camera position there? We As I uh, as I said in the intro, um, this is one of the fights that's going to go a while. So, unfortunately, uh, probably going to get a lot of a lot of um, silent type stuff from me. Not because not because there's you know nothing going on, but because it's kind of boring to for me to keep saying, "Oh, now they're laying there. Oh, he's got him in a headlock. Oh, like like right here. This is great. He's got him in a guillotine choke and all that." But if they're kind of just standing there throwing kicks at each other, you know, tentatively swiping, then uh, it's going to get kind of boring. Oh, you can see Inagaki's busted open. I don't know what happened, but it looks like he maybe has uh, got hit in the nose or something. Maybe bit his lip, something like that. And now uh, Inagaki's going for try like a triangle arm bar, and uh, Vernon Tigerway is going to try to powerbomb him out. Yep. That doesn't always work, as you can see, but he's got that nice wide base. So he's trying to stand up and keep himself vertical so that Inagaki can't sink the uh, armbar in. Nope, oh, we had uh, an escape used. Some strikes. Now he's looks like he's going for an arm again. Now he's got, but they're in the ropes. He's got its back. So, so far so good for Vernon uh, Tiger White because he's ended up a lot of the times when he's getting close to a submission, they've just been too close to the ropes or they've been in the ropes and you know he hasn't been able to uh, 
uh, or hasn't needed to use his escapes. Like, he only had to use one so far. Burnham was going for a uh, spinning kick there, but he thought better of it, I guess. Nagaki throwing some knees. He's in the corner. Whoopsie, now he's trying to throw some close fists to the body. Trying to... Ooh, that was a straight shot. I don't know whether that was a close fist or not, but clearly it wasn't illegal. Or the ref didn't see it. That's one of the two. Nah, he's doing like palm thrusts, so. Those are legal. Nice flurry of uh, strikes there from Inagaki. Now, some of these camera angles leave a, a little bit to be desired, unfortunately. You know, the, the ref gets in the way and they don't switch the camera angle too much, uh, too quickly, I should say. Tiger right throwing some uh, closed fists to the body, trying to, you know, hurt on uh, hurt Inagaki a little bit. Maybe you know, take some wind out of him. Now they just kind of oh, knocked down. There we go. Now you see that the ref is uh, giving them the count. Inagaki, Inagaki's a mess. Like. He's been, I think his, his nose is bleeding. I think that's a nosebleed. Like he got probably a palm, you know, palm strike or palm thrust in the nose and it broke it or popped it or whatever. And I think Vernon Tiger White's kind of trying to capitalize that. Hit him in the nose a few more times. You know, much like when you see in uh, boxing, the guy when he seizes his opponent's eye is all swollen. He takes shots from that side, not only because the opponent can't see them coming, but also... You know, you keep hitting him in the eye. That's a sore spot. You wanna you wanna keep hitting the guy in a weak spot, because eventually you might get him to, you know, fall over or tap, you know, give up whatever. So he's uh, you know, almost like a shark. He's he sees blood and he goes for it. But Inagaki doesn't look like he's too, too bothered by it. That looked like an elbow. I don't. Know. I don't. Know. Maybe it was a forearm, but Inagaki looks like he's blown up. He's he's his hands aren't that that high. He looks like he's kind of winded. They're practically in the lap of the uh, photographers in the out on ringside.
Ooh, that was a good, good kick. Trying to catch him off balance, off guard. Oh, was that a was that a shot in the groin? Maybe not. I think he hit him in the hit him in the solar plexus. This, unfortunately, this fight kind of exposes what happens when you get two guys that are talented, but also neither, neither one is dominant over the other, per se, because it's a very much an, an even fight, so to speak. And because of that, it kind of gets, I hate to say boring, because it's, it's not boring in that they're just standing around doing nothing or you know, grappling on the ground and really nothing's going on. They're just kind of rolling. Because um, that can be exciting. The problem being with this is you you have two guys who are pretty evenly matched, and because of that, it, it ends up with a lot of stalemates. You know, they, they know exactly where they are in the ring, and so when one guy goes for a submission, the other guy knows how to counter it. Um, you know, they, they end up too close to the ropes, and neither one can kind of capitalize, so... You get a lot of standing up um, and a lot of, you know, countering, unfortunately, which sometimes lead to, leads to a very lackluster match. Um, you know, not that you want every match to be um, like then the first card that they ever held where the whole show, in terms of watching the matches back to back, it, the whole show lasts about half an hour because it's just one guy clearly, you know, dominates... Um, you know, because, and those are fun, and, you know, it's fun to watch some guy get a flash knockout, or one guy to just eat the other guy alive on the mat and catch him in a submission, but what ends up happening is that you get these shows that everything's done in 45 minutes, and then what do you do? You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't even know how to exactly put it. Because, you know, that you end up with this these spans of, like, all right, well, we did everything. What what do we do now? And, you know, the crowd's got to be happy. And, oh, there's some heavy shots as I'm kind of stammering and muttering over, over it. Vernon Tiger White's kind of turning it on. Oh, looks like he might have hurt his hand or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is is one of the, the problems that you run into with real real fights is the fact of anything can happen. So you could end up with one guy, you know, hitting a palm strike or kicking the guy in the ribs and, oh, he snapped his ribs. Well, now he can't breathe and he gives up and the fight's only been going on for 45 seconds. In the same time, you know, you got stuff like this where this match is going on. We are 16 minutes in, <laughs> roughly, and um, it's just kind of, been back and forth, but it hasn't really been exciting. There hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, moves that really capture the imagination. Not capture the imagination, but, like, pop the crowd. You know, you get the 
uh, that one time that, you know, Vernon Tigerweight threw out a kick and kind of caught Inagaki in the, the ribs and, oh, like the crowd explodes or, you know, you get a flurry of strikes that the crowd kind of comes unglued for a little bit, but then, then it's back to, all right, well, they're standing up and there's polite applause. Meanwhile, um, you know, you have Inagaki bleeding right now, so it should be exciting, but Vernon Tiger White, he doesn't seem like he's, he really knows how to go in for the kill, which I don't know whether that's inexperience or it's just like he, he doesn't know what to do, you know, it's whether it's inexperience or it's like he knows that he wants to hit him in the head, but he can't punch him in the head. Oh, we caught him right there. That was good. All right, see now. Now you can see Inagaki's getting, he's getting uh, winded. He's going. His fight, his fight may not last very much longer. Yeah, he's just kind of teeing off on him. See, right then and there, he probably could have thrown a high kick and caught him right in the face. Oh, they're counting it as a down, not because he actually went down, but because he's just. He's not answering. He's kind of... He's defending himself, but he's not. Yeah, see, Vernon Tigerwhite, I feel like he's in much better shape, like, cardio-wise. Yeah. Look at look at the movements. Vernon Tigerwhite's kind of in the same... He's moving the same way he's always been. And Inagaki... Inagaki's just kind of bobbing and weaving, but it's not, he's bobbing and weaving because it's almost like he's... He's out of breath and he's just trying to like, all right, how can I, how can I catch my breath while not just backing up? Fixing his knee pads. Nagaki, I feel like he's he's blown up. Like, and I've said that a bunch of times, but I feel like he's this. This is his rest period now. He's 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 kind of trying to get him in a Kimura or some sort of an arm lock, but really he's just using it as a, a rest break. You know, trying to kind of catch his breath and get his bearings. You know, because some of those shots that he took to the head, they they had to have you know knocked him for a little bit of a loop. He's not out on his feet. 
but he was also kind of out on his feet. That's why the, the ref started as a down, because even though he really didn't go down to start, you know. As you can see, they're, they're under the ropes, so I don't know why the ref has their weight guys. Like, I don't know why the ref hasn't, hasn't kind of separated them. Bottom right there. Yeah, he's 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 contemplating whether he wants to still do this. I think. A couple of nice little hop kicks. I guess I don't know what you'd call them from from Vernon Tiger White, but like a front kick. Almost, almost tagging him at will. He's like picking shots, and and that's not a good place to be if you're in a gaki. That uh, your opponent can kind of just at will tag you, but he's making a little bit of a comeback. He's trying with those knees. He's trying to, but you can see they don't look very effective. That did though. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's not getting up. <laughs> he's up, but yeah, that ref's got to, he should have waved that off. They're stopping the fight, I think. Yep. I have a doctor stoppage. I don't know whether it's because his eyes are swollen or the bleeding or whatever, but yeah, that is the, the sight of a victor. All right. Andre Van Den Odalar versus Ryushi Yanagasaki. Or, I might have missed. 
I might have mis said his name. I apologize. So Andre, I did I did a little research into this guy Andre Van de Otelar. Um, he is gonna stick around Pancras. Um, obviously he's not a well-known name because uh, I'm having trouble saying his name, and uh, whereas I can rattle off some of the the Japanese guys' names pretty easily. Um, so because because I've said a lot, you know they're well known, but um, he is gonna he's gonna stick around a little bit. Um, I don't know. For how long but he's gonna stick around a lot longer um one of the guys that's in uh later on he literally this is his first and only appearance in pancreas we'll get to it when we get to it but if we can't all right so yeah yanagasawa that's right not yanagasaki ryushin yanagasawa um he uh he fought on, I believe, the first two pink races. I'm pulling out my notes right now. He's going to stick around for quite a while in pink race. Um, yep, he was on both. Um, in the first, uh, first pink race event, um, he lost to Boss Rutten with a palm strike. And the uh, last episode, we saw he fought uh, Masukatsu Funaki and lost to a knee bar. Both of which were fairly short. Um, Boss Rudin did it, uh, defeated him in about forty-three seconds, and Funaki beat him in about a minute and a half. Now this guy, um, Andre Van Den Odelar, I'm just going to call him Andre. Um, he ends up with a record of five, two wins and five losses in um, MMA, um, and he's pretty much out of the game. Um, in 1995 that's when his last fight is so he doesn't stick around in mixed martial arts at all um like i said he'll stick around in pancreas for for a while and then he's he does one fight in a completely different um company and then he's done at least at least as far as i can find um he uh, he's dutch i believe Yanagasawa would have been 21 at this point. Uh, Yanagasawa haven't, hasn't actually fought in about uh, oh, 14 years. So I would say he's probably retired too at this point.
So we got Andre's got Yanagasawa in his guard. And I don't know, Yanagasawa's going for something. Obviously, there is no ground and pound in Pancrase, so I don't know if he's going to try to go for an arm lock or maybe, you know, work his way out so he can grab a leg and swing it into like a knee bar or some sort of a leg lock. Um, or if he's going to try to lean his weight down and kind of choke him. We will uh, we will see. So far, they're just kind of toying with each other, trying to put, get into position. Maybe he's trying to do some sort of like a neck crank where he like pulls pulls his you know head to forward, puts a lot of pressure on the on the spine or something. A very uneventful kind of fight, like I was talking about last time. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things where, not that I'm saying, because I will say this: Ryushi is not a bad fighter per se. Um, he's not flashy, which is fine, but he's also not head and shoulders above um, above Andre. So it ends up being a thing where you get these kind of lackluster kind of just hanging out on the mat fights which get boring after a while um and one of the things i'll use this opportunity to speak of is um one of the rumors that um has kind of plagued pancrase at least from my research um is that despite the fact that they would claim that they were real fighting and it wasn't predetermined and you know these were guys that were really out there trying to to fight and to win um you know, rumors persist that a lot of these guys came from pro wrestling. Why wouldn't these be predetermined and they're just kind of trying to make it look good? Um, you know, but they already know that who's going to win and who's going to lose. And there's even been some people have brought up that actually been in Pancrase that said, oh, you know, there were a couple of predetermined, but that, you know, most of them weren't. And then some people will say, no, it was all predetermined or, you know, very few were 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 actual legit fights um so it, in this case i would argue that this is a good example of why it's not predetermined <laughs> because if it was predetermined like pro wrestling you wouldn't want two guys rolling around on the mat for 10 minutes and barely doing anything because that's just not nobody's going to want to see that um you know, as evidenced in, uh, I think it was UFC 6, I think it was UFC 5, UFC 6, which is an, a very well-known uh, event where Ken Shamrock and Dan Severin literally circle each other for like 35 minutes and 
barely make contact, and when they do make contact, it's it's very uneventful. So obviously, you don't want that to you know to be the case if you're trying to get people to spend money on your event. Hence, why I I think this is more or less a real um, a real fight. And in some of the some of the guys have said that literally, they were told kinda to make your opponent look okay, but it was well known that like somebody like Min, uh, Minoru Suzuki or Masakatsu Funaki, in there against Ken Shamrock, Shamrock's a really talented grappler, but in if they were say going with um, Andre or that guy Yoop that uh, fought in the last event, they not toy with them, but they kind of give them give them a little bit of leeway in terms of like not just gobble them up in 45 seconds because then that like I had put in the last last encounter it doesn't look good if you've got the same four guys just kicking everybody's ass you know you want to you want it to have a little drama even if you pretty much know oh Suzuki's coming in he's going to kill this guy you don't want him to just kill him 10 seconds in because then it just becomes predictable and oh well, I don't I don't need to spend the money on this fight because I know Suzuki's gonna win. Well, if Suzuki kind of lets the guy get a, a few uh, advantages on him, only to then reverse it and you know damn near break his arm, that that makes that makes for a better fight. So it's like this this kind of I mean I like this and I'm kind of bored by it that's there's like I said it's kind of tough for me to commentate on it and I like this when it's it's not as action packed um thankfully um the rest of the fights are a lot I don't want to say more action packed but they're a little more uh, palatable if you if you like some uh, some action um, and whatnot. 
crowd politely applauding. I don't know why the ref's even standing him up. I mean, I know it's boring, but oh, he's fixing the he's fixing the kick pads. That's what it is. Yeah, I get the feeling, because like I said, I don't know much, there wasn't much that I could find for for this Andre guy. I get the feeling that he was probably not a grappling guy, because he's just kind of laying there, and he's he's got very rudimentary, like, you know, he just locks his legs around the guy in a guard, but he's not really doing much to prevent anything. I get the feeling that he was probably more um, like a kickboxer, or... Um, you know, some sort of um, martial art. Maybe I wouldn't even say judo because with judo, it probably he probably would have been trying a little more like throws and takedowns um, on his feet. That's why I'm thinking he might have been like a kickboxer or, or um, you know, just karate or um, something of that ilk. Striking, basically. <laughs> That's I guess how I should put it. I think he was more of a striker than a. Um, than a grappler which you know this at this time you know you had a lot of grapplers but you didn't have a lot of guys that were cross training you know um you know guys who train as you know they train in grappling they were in wrestling or judo or something of that nature but they wouldn't say no they'd know rudimentary strikes you know oh, i can punch i can kick but they wouldn't be like a striker um, or you'd have a guy that was a striker but Grappling and submissions? Oof. Nope. They got nothing. And that's what I, I feel like this uh, this Andre guy is. He's very much a, a striker, but he can't strike when he's on the ground because of the rules, you know, and it, it hampers it hampers him. Got a front face lock. I don't know if he's going for yeah, he's going for a guillotine. He's looks like he's got that sunk in too, which Nope. He had it sunk in, but I don't know what happened.
Looks like he's got an ankle lock on. They're both kind of going for ankle or knee bars or something, but... Oh, yeah, he's got a heel hook in. Well, he's going for a heel hook. I don't know if he's... I don't know if he can really crank it too much because of the way his legs are. Like, he doesn't have him hooked around the... Uh, around, around Andre's leg in a way that you would. Oh, there we go. Now he's got it between his legs. So, he, he could very, very easily transition this, I think, into a heel hook and, and just... Oh, yeah. Yep, see, he's turning. He gave up. Yep. Finally. <laughs> he's, I think he's saying, finally. So next we have James Matthews versus Kazuyo Takahashi. Um, and I got a note on this Takahashi. Got a note on um, on James Matthews. Um, he's he'll be back in future events as well. Um, but he's he's got a look, you know. But he's he's not good. Um, he's twenty at this point as a, at this point in his career. run that classic uh, wrestling singlet that kind of goes in between your chest you know it doesn't cover your uh, your pecs or anything and, uh, looks like he may be wearing two two sets of trunks you can see the the kind of like teal turquoise whatever and uh, black sticking out from below Got Takahashi in the, the lime green trunks. Yep, there we go. There's some kicks being thrown. Guys are just kind of feeling each other out. And, uh. Whoa! There we go. Takahashi. Right in the, right in the face gets a nice. He rung his bell. His, uh, his singlet looks like it's a little loose. I don't know why. Matthews, I mean. Takahashi, I didn't talk much about Takahashi. Uh, Takahashi is going to go on. He's got an arm bar on him. Hey, he's tapping. There we go. Takahashi's going to go on and uh, have quite a quite a career uh, in mixed martial arts. Now we got Takaku Fuke versus Ken Shamrock. 
Again, we've seen Fouquet, and you all know Ken Shamrock. Uh, Fouquet went uh, in the first show. Excuse me. Uh, he was the guy who beat Vernon Tiger White um, and then lost to Boss Root in the last, um, last show. Uh, Shamrock beat uh, Masakatsu Funaki at the first Pancrase show. And then he beat, uh, actually, the man we just saw, Kazuya Takahashi, in the second. Interesting choice that both of them are wearing red trunks. Um, although, obviously, Shamrock's wearing the black kick pads and knee pads, and uh, Fouquet's wearing red. Shamrock hits the back, and looks like he's looks like he's going for a rear naked choke. Which, yeah, he's he's got that sunk in. Oh, maybe not. Oh no, he's got that sunk in. He's yeah. He's gonna put him out. He's out. He choked him out. Like he didn't even tap. Maurice Smith versus Minoru Suzuki. Now, this is interesting because this is um, obviously you can see Maurice Smith wearing boxing gloves, so isn't um, Minoru Suzuki. Um, they are they're going to be facing off in um, excuse me in a kickboxing match. background to this is that um, Maury Smith actually had um, was it he was a WKA world kickboxing champion um, and he was invited to face off against uh, Masakatsu Funaki in 1989 um, at uh, an event held by UWF newborn or the second incarnation of UWF what ended up happening was uh, Funaki got hurt while he was training and so he faced off against Suzuki, the man that he's facing now. They sold out the Tokyo Dome, not just based on that, but, you know, it was part of it, um, to the tune of 50,000 tickets with a gate of $2.9 million in 1989. Um, Smith would beat him in four rounds uh, by KO, um, and then would face Funaki in an exhibition fight at a Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi card um, in October of 92. As you can see that, uh, Suzuki's kind of outmatched. 
I mean, he's he's a wrestler. He's a striker, but he's not he's not a world class kickboxer. Let, let's be honest. I believe they're three-minute rounds. I could be wrong. But, I mean, you can see they're, they're kickboxing, they're grappling. There's It's not grappling. Like, they're not paying face, paying face rules. They're, they're doing kickboxing. You know, Maurice is not wearing boots. Uh, Suzuki is, but at the same time, they're, uh, they're doing basically kickboxing rules. One of the things that we didn't see um, is they did a press conference, obviously, to um, announce the show and everything and to talk about this. Um, and while uh, Maurice and um, Suzuki were talking, not, uh, you know, they, don't, they didn't do the weigh-in type thing, at least that I remember. Um, but while they're talking at the press conference, Funaki makes some sort of comment about, you know, I want, I want Smith next. And Smith goes, all right, you're on. First, I got to beat him, kind of a thing. So, there was plans. I, I don't know. I believe they may come to fruition, but I'm not 100% sure, of Smith and Funaki to uh, to face off. But, yeah, as you, as you can see, Suzuki seems like he's kind of out of his element in a way. You know, maybe a, a little bit. Cause he's not a kickboxer he's he's a striker you know he knows shoot wrestling more so he's he's a grappler and a submission guy now, for those of you that know maury smith um you know he We'll go on to do more mixed martial arts. He'll show up in UFC. Um, I believe he also fights in Pride. Uh, not really up on on Maurice Smith's career for the most part. I mean, like I know of him, and I know he's an amazing kickboxer. Um, one of the things that he's known for is, and I forget who who has this quote, but somebody said. Um, Getting kicked by Maury Smith, um, you know, get, having a leg kicked my, by Maury Smith, I'd rather have somebody hit me with a baseball bat in the knee. So, shows you how uh, how good of a kickboxer he is. Let's see, Suzuki's trying to, he wants to grapple, but he can't because that's not part of the rules. And plus, he's wearing boxing gloves. It's not, it's not easy to, it's not easy to grapple in boxing gloves. 
There's no grip, <laughs> obviously. So he's trying to trade with him, but he's just, he's outclassed, you know, and for all we know, Maurice Smith might be taking easy, taking it easy on him so far. good strikes You gotta wonder what's going through Suzuki's mind at this point. You know, second round in, and he's, you know, he's got Maury Smith, who he's, he's, you know, fought before or whatever, but like, he's gotta be thinking, like, I can beat this guy. I, I can. Oh, spinning back fist right there. <laughs> and Maury Smith is like, all right, now we playing. <laughs> I don't know whether a spinning back fist is legal or not. Um, oh, now he's mad. You can see he's kind of like, all right, now we, now we're, now, now we're done. Like now, now it's time to go. Round two over. Suzuki looks like he's a little worn out. I don't know whether he's being playful or what, but... He yelled something. Again, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know. But the crowd seemed to like it. was quick.
Oh yeah. Yeah, Maury Smith is just overwhelming him. He's like, all right, I'm done playing with him. Yep, see, he's he's like, I'm done. All right, so now we got Seize Besoms versus Matsukatsu Funaki. And this is this is the guy I was talking about, Besoms. He literally, you're never gonna see him again, so don't get you too used to him. Once again, Masakatsu Funaki. Funaki now wearing, uh, excuse me, the full, full, uh, tights as opposed to the trunks, which is unusual. Usually he was, uh, well, in the past couple times he's worn trunks and not the full tights. So, uh, sees Besoms is, uh, like I said, he, he never comes back for Pancrase. Um, he will show up in, uh, Rings Holland, which I don't know if we'll ever get there, because I don't know what kind of footage is available for Rings Holland. Um, but we'll definitely talk about Rings, Fighting Network Rings in Japan. As you can see, Funaki just, is kind of, took him down, has his, has his way with him, but he escapes. Uh, Besoms escapes. He just, yeah. Yep. Funaki takes him down again. This time it seems like Besoms may have, may have blocked it, but whoop. Yep. Funaki with a single leg. And he gets him in a body lock. Now we're down. Funaki's got the side mount. He's going for an arm bar. Oh, oh, slipped out of that. Now he's sitting on his head. Oh, and now he's back to side mount. And he's definitely working for an arm, arm like a key lock or uh, maybe a Kimura. Some, something like that. He's looking for an arm, arm lock. You can tell how, how his arms are positioned. He's going for the arm and... Puts his leg on the rope again. Even though he wasn't in any danger, I think he was just worried that he was going to be in danger very quickly. And, uh, yep, he's telling him, come, can't use their fists, can't use the elbows. Because I guess he was possibly throwing a fists or elbows. Funaki takes him down again. Yep, gets him at a key lock. Wow, that was quick. Camera didn't even see it. Oh. Now, one of one of the things that I will note is you you saw with the he was thrown he's pointing at him. 
Funaki accuses him of throwing fists, like throwing closed closed fists in uh, the fight, which is part of the reason why he kind of just, when when he had the opportunity, he kind of just took him down and went, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna break your arm. You're done. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not fucking around with you. And uh, you know, you can see that there's some there's some arguments going on between the two of them. They're they're kind of arguing and. You know, Funaki saying, pointing at his elbow, going, you, you know, you were hitting me with the elbow, closed fists, whatever. And, uh, so, that, that's just how it ends. They don't, you know, they don't end up in another big brawl or anything like that. But it was just very much a, um, uh, you know, the ref admonished him. And you notice he, he kind of had a, a look like, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And then Funaki was like, nope, fuck this, breaking your arm. And <laughs> he didn't break his arm, but he was definitely going for it. Well, that wraps up. Uh, yes, we are Hybrid Wrestlers 3. Um, kind of an uneventful, not really uneventful, but the, you know, slow start. And then it, it, it had its moments at the end, thankfully. Um, you know, but not my favorite Pancrase event, I'll be completely honest. Um, you know, the, the kickboxing was something different, but it also wasn't, it wasn't exciting. So... Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed it, or at the very least, enjoyed me kind of crapping on it a little bit. Um, if you like the show, please, again, follow me on Twitter, at uh, LeoWyatt85. Follow the show, at Hybrid underscore cast. Uh, let me know what you thought of, yes, we are Hybrid Wrestlers 3. Coming up next, in the next episode, uh, we'll be closing out 1993 with, yes, we are Hybrid Wrestlers 4. And then, as I may or may not have uh, said already, I can't remember if I said it earlier or not, I'm going to take a step back, and we're going to go back and take a look at kind of how how we got to Pancrase. Um, I'm going to jump back into uh, some pro wrestling in Japan, some um, talking about Antonio Inoki, Giant Baba, and, uh, you know, le what what led up to the creation of shoot-style fighting in Japan. All right, that'll do it. Thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you back again next time. Have a good one.